This is Developer SideQuest, the podcast, the show that highlights the different ways we all level up our software development skill set. I'm your party leader, Al Rodriguez, and today we're chatting with another player character, Anthony Garan. Hi, Anthony. Hey. Hey. So today's guest, Anthony, is a chaotic thief trying to figure out the limit of today's security in apps we all use. His daytime role is to figure out security issues with popular CMSs and apps while he gets out to write or solve security challenges during his free time, even though the authors of these apps might not expect them to be targeted. Security is a very vast domain, starting by lockpicking, passing through hacking websites and other applications, and ending up with cryptography, the weird arcane magic of mathematics. Recently, he found himself writing about his findings while hacking the platform he used to write his posts. You can find him on Twitter at Antogaran, or read his posts on dev2 slash Antogaran. So, uh, that is a, a great uh, bio. I, I, I'm really excited to, to get into it and start talking with you. So, um, Anthony, why don't you go ahead and, and start us out? So, what, what is the, the quest that you want to talk about today? All right. So, today's side quest I'm going to talk to you about is how we as developers can improve the security of apps we are using. Um, so, more specifically, as a hacker, what I do now on my free time is browse the internet with my network tab open and hack companies which uh, might not expect to be pen-tested today. So when browsing, I always have like the network tab open of my browser or the debugger open and trying to mess around with the variables that I'm sending to the server. This can lead me to find very interesting security flaws which uh, may reward me with real money, which is a great thing to do on my free time. <laughs> uh, it sounds uh, sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, sometimes I'm assuming, right? Or is it? Uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm coming from the software development world where you know my idea of, of fun is getting something to work. Whereas, I mean, you're you're probably in the similar boat, right? Getting something to work, but to work uh, wrongly, I guess. Is that kind of what the what the goal is, or or what? I guess what's the fun part for you? Um, the fun part is a bit like you know when you're a child and you try breaking something to understand how it works. And then you try to rebuild it. Once you get it to work, once again, it's fun. You understood how it worked inside. You managed to build it once again. And it's a bit of the same thing. Now I find an app. I find how it works via the data it sends to the server. And sometimes if, um, say, I can find reset my password, but I change the user, it should reset the password and reset the admin password instead. This is something fun because now I cause an unintended behavior on the app. And I could gain access to data or um, access uh, to an administrative panel or things I shouldn't be able to do as a normal user. Oh, wow. All right. That sounds like a lot of fun. So uh, so tell me, what are the different types of tools that you use to, to work on this? Because I'm assuming that uh, some things, there's probably a crossover, but it sounds like you do this on websites and also on apps too, or, or, is, or are we kind of blurring the line there on apps to be like web apps also? Um, security is very vast. So most of what I do on my free time is web apps or websites because they're pretty much the same nowadays with single page apps and all of these super complex applications on the web. But uh, I do pretty much everything during the challenges and CDFs I'm participating in it. Uh, regarding the tools I'm using for web apps, first of all, the browser is of course mandatory. It's one of the best tools you can use to debug and to understand everything uh, going on on your machine right now. But other very interesting tools I'm using are Burp and the Burp Suit, which um, allow you to intercept 
modify and replay requests as you go. So by making burp a proxy of your browser, I can see and log all of the data going on. I can modify it on the fly uh, before it's even being sent to the server the first time. And I can also uh, replay it and modify data as I replay it, which is a great tool. It's really a mandatory one for security researchers on web apps. Otherwise, um, curl and postman are great tools when you want to make more custom requests, when you want to fiddle more than replaying and modifying a small part of the, the script itself or the data itself. When you want to do a script which will automate more of the request, uh, Postman and curl are really uh, must use. Wow. Okay. So, so those two I've I've heard of at least and and, and use them regularly, uh, but haven't heard of the the first one. Uh, Burp. You said it was called. Indeed, Burp Suite. It's it has a free version, which makes the entry bar really low. But it also has a pretty expensive uh, enterprise or professional version, which which has a lot more features. Okay, so standard enterprise software sort of thing. Okay, got it. <laughs> uh, so so during that that explanation, you mentioned something called a CTF. Uh, what's that? Indeed, CTFs uh, or capture the flags. Um, I'm assuming most of you are familiar with the normal game capture the flag, where you must go capture a flag and you win points based on the number of flags you get. But CTFs in security um, are challenges, or which are meant to break, when which are meant to be hackable. So, if I make a or participate in a CTF, I might have um, a dozen challenges which each one of them giving me flags and each flag giving me points. So at the end of a given time frame, the more challenge I solve, the more points I get and the better I rank on the scoreboard. Oh, okay. So these are, are, are these uh, competitions uh, that are something like at a conference or are they like open online? Anyone can kind of go and try this or, or, or where, I guess, where do you do these? They are everywhere. So there are a few offlines and more professional ones, uh, which you can do uh, offline at events after conferences. The main ones I go to uh, are Hackfest and Nordsec, which are more Quebec specific. But online, there are so many great ones as well. So there is um, Ring Zero, which is a which has hundreds of challenges and is a forever online CTF, where nobody even solved all of the challenges on, on the website right now. Um, otherwise, there is a website called CTF Time, which is a bit like the agenda of all CTFs. Under this one, uh, you can find out CTFs online or offline near you or online wherever you want to be, which you can participate to. Some of the main ones are, well, recently Google made a CTF, which uh, was really interesting and challenging, but for all skill sets. Otherwise, Facebook just announced they were making one, the Facebook CTF. So it's really everywhere and for everyone. Wow. Okay. So that's uh, that sounds like a, a fun thing to to kind of get started, right? Um, I'm guessing with with the the CTFs, you know, it's you can see it as, as a bit of a game, and if, if there are the the intro ones, that's a, a great place to start. Indeed. Uh, cool. All right. So, uh, how long have you been been doing this, as far as the the security uh, research or the you know hacking type of stuff uh, overall? Oh, this goes back a really long time. So I started hacking things. Um, back then was when I was playing a game when I was really young and didn't know programming or anything at all yet. I was playing RuneScape, the really old game, and I was trying to get more gold. So once I started this, um, perhaps 10 years back, 
I went on YouTube and searched for the very obvious get free gold Admiralscape. And what I found was that there were so many phishing programs uh, that tried to get you to enter your username and password and basically would promise you internet uh, plenty of gold in the game. But in reality, they would steal your credentials and steal all your characters' gold. So once I found out that this was a pretty popular way of getting money for scammers and was really profitable based off what I've seen, um, I started to try... Why not hack the hackers? I want to understand how this works. So I started working with, uh, well, started trying to reverse engineer those programs. In the time, it, they, most of them were made in .NET, uh, which was really easily decompilable. And once you decompile a program, you can pretty much see its general source code, the variable names, and the data might be a bit scrambled. But you can follow the general flow of the program. And what I found out is that most of these programs would have um, you enter the credentials and then send them via email or FTP to their own servers. But what is interesting on the, these programs and what I found out really nice is that to send an email back then, what the users did or the hackers did is encode their own credentials onto the, the source code of the app. So by reverse engineering the app, I could find out the credentials of their email and then go onto their email where I could find, of course, all of the people which uh, entered their credentials and were hacked, but also recover the account of the hacker. And by recovering this account, I could steal all of his hacked gold, which was really an enlightening moment for me. <laughs> oh, nice uh, Robin Hood moment for you there. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, I kept the gold and I eventually lost it. But uh, yeah, I felt good because I was hacking the hackers. I was like a, really proud of myself. And I was really young back then. <laughs> Otherwise, Great. since then, uh, I've kept hacking things. Uh, I've been trying to break things because now I knew that if there's an app and I can break it, I can profit from it. So I ended up hacking like my school uh, when I was in high school and getting suspended a bit for it. Uh, and then nowadays, whenever I try to find a job and I get an email or someone trying to refer me and I'm interested in a job, I try to hack their website or their app. So I can see what's their security like. And if I manage to do hack them, uh, it's a great introduction for the job. Like, hey, Kira, I hacked you. Here's my resume. Now we can talk. <laughs> does, does, I'm assuming that's worked in the past? Yes, it did. It landed oh, wow. me in one of my previous jobs where I managed to steal pretty much any account and modify all of the data in the database, which was really nice. Wow. Okay. I'm sure. I'm sure they were happy to find out that uh, that that was a possibility. Maybe a little less happy when it happened, but okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always better when a good guy finds these vulnerabilities instead of a bad guy. Because if a bad guy finds this, he can pretty much take down the whole app, or he can cause a lot of damage. Oh yeah, yeah. Much much better to have you on that. <laughs> so when when you really started getting into this and and learning, you know, the different strategies for for this type of hacking and uh, you know finding backdoors and security vulnerabilities, how different is it actually from what you were expecting? Oh, um, this is an interesting question because there were many things which I was not expecting. 
such as having very popular apps, having such a weak security, having basically no protection. But there were also unknown apps which had great security and which I thought I could hack in uh, an afternoon, but ended up uh, being so secure, even I couldn't go and find vulnerabilities in them. So the security knowledge on the industry where there are both ends, super easy and super hard vulnerabilities is something that I found really interesting. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, so I, I joke with a friend of mine sometimes and he'll he'll mention, oh, you know, this person in, in a movie or whatever hacked this thing. And, you know, it's always just the generic. Uh, it's it's like a wizard basically in the movie. Right. Because they they just need someone to magically do this thing. Uh, but every time that happens, my my first instinct is maybe they're not super special hacker person they just guess the default password it's you know logger your username admin password admin and then that just works <laughs> indeed yeah movies are so generalizing hacking usually when the typical hacker or when i do cts with my friend what we do is we spend hours on a single point and trying to find the single vulnerability on a super hard challenge uh, but in movies, they make it sound so easy. It's like they have tools already for all of their challenges, which is, of course, very movie-like, but uh, definitely not how we do in reality. <laughs> so so you mentioned that you, you did uh, a CTF with a friend. Um, now, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I come in from the you know, specifically from software development. And whenever we're making a new feature, we'll do some things on our own. But for the most part, it's it's a team effort. We're all in it together to create this application. Is that a thing that you also do? Is that, is that more of a uh, thing that's that you do uh, kind of the to go far, go together sort of deal? Or Definitely. do you generally do this alone? Under CDS, we have a bit of um, a weird collaboration where usually we all have a bit of our specialties. I'm better like in web, he's better in cryptography and this one in forensic. But um, in CDFs, as we, especially the last one I went in, the NordSec, um, as we're a team of eight, we do have overlapping competence and we manage to work better as a team when, first of all, we find an interesting challenge. I alone might find it interesting and start working on it. But then once I get stuck or once I need a bit of external help because I can't progress uh, on my own as fast as I like, would with a team, um, I ask for someone else and they act either as my rubber duck where if I explain the problem, it can help like a, any normal team with their rubber duck. Or sometimes as they have different a different perspective, they can help me think outside the box and thinks about the challenge differently, which is definitely a great thing to have on CDFs. So sometimes uh, we play, we throw the ball each other. So I start a challenge, I find specific vulnerabilities, I know how to start it, but then I get stuck. So I put it on our Slack or on our content management um, system where we throw all of our status of the challenges. And then someone else will take a look and find an external, something I didn't spot, and exploit it, and then he'll get a bit farther. And then he gets stuck, so he puts it back there, we share our information, and we end up working uh, as a team for the few steps of the challenge, where none of us could have the solution alone, but as a team, we do manage to uh, exploit all of this. Yeah, I'm always uh, reminded of a uh, of an old um, saying, uh, and I'm trying to remember it now, um, 
if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And yeah, that's that's true of, of every industry. So that's it's good to know. Um, it's nice to see, you know, and again, right, we, we hear about this stuff about hacking and movies, you know, we see them in movies and TV, and it's always just the lone person. But, you know, it's in real life. It's, it's always a team. Cool. So um, switching gears a little bit uh, earlier, you, you had mentioned that uh, you make money off of this as a as a side kind of side quest or side business or how how, how, do, how does that work? On the security side of things, there are things we call bug bounty, which are policies or programs that uh, companies put on their website um, or sometimes on collaborative websites such as HackerOne or BugCrowd, where companies tell us, hey, find vulnerabilities on our apps. Here's the scope of what you can do. Here's the scope of what you cannot do. Of course, uh, do not cause damage if you can avoid it. But if you find a vulnerability, submit it to us and we'll pay you. We will reward you. Uh, so simple examples are like the Google. Google has a bug bounty program where if we find different severity of vulnerabilities, they will reward us with uh, $1,000, $10,000. Or of course, they have something special about their program where they always give us a late speech amount, such as one three three seven dollars um, but the more vulnerabilities you find, the more severe the vulnerabilities you find, the more money you get. Okay, so so they have a whole program like ready for this. So if you find something, you you have a uh, I'm assuming easy or relatively easy way to submit it and let them know, and then they come back to you. That sort of thing. That yeah, sounds easy. Okay, well that that's good. I've I've heard of these programs before, and they're they're growing, and it's it's nice to hear that that you know companies are taking it seriously instead of the um, you know the uh, shy away from it. You know, plug their ears and and saying la la la, they they can't actually hear this. So it's it's nice to know that this is is growing more and more. Cool. <laughs> Indeed. So um, <clears throat> any uh and any fun stories or any favorite stories you like to tell about uh, something that you found or something that was maybe a little too obvious that turned out to be, you know, super easy way to get in or in- anything like that? Um, I'll tell you about the story of one of my interesting hacks where I was at school in physical education and we were using a, an app to track our progress where if we ran each day, we would get points and depending on the amount of points we got, uh, this would affect our grade at the end of the year. Um, and what I did was find a vulnerability in this app. And instead of, you know, moving and jogging like a normal person did, I simply hacked my score. So I had like a super obvious high amount of points and went to the teacher and told them, hey, you know, this app, which we had to pay to, really doesn't do the job. If we can trick it into making fake uh, sport, we should find an alternative. So yeah, this was an interesting one because as I had a fixed score, uh, the teachers were all good about it, but they gave me a good grade because on the curriculum at the start, they really did mention that this would be correlated to our grade. And as I had a good point, I had a good grade. (laughs) Well, okay. That, (laughs) that, that worked out for you. And did, uh, did that actually lead to a change of the system eventually? I'm not sure because the when I ended this uh, session at school, um, it was still not patched. So I'm not sure if it changed since then because it's a paid ad and I didn't use it on my free time. But I hope so because I did disclose it uh, responsibly to the team. 
<laughs> Got it. Okay. Another um, interesting one mm -hmm. I just thought of is when I was in CJEP, I had a market simulation app where we would uh, have fake money and but use it to buy stocks. And at the end of the year, we would need to get the highest amount of stocks or the um, highest amount of money so we can learn how the market works. And I ended up finding a pretty severe vulnerability on this app. And what I did is uh, disclose it to the company, of course, which did. And they did patch it pretty quickly. And then they hired me to do an audit of their old security. So while I was still at school, this was a among the, my first security jigs uh, where I hacked an app. I told them, and then hey, they hired me for a small contract where I would keep hacking them for even more money. <laughs> oh, great. So uh, an example of what you were talking about at the beginning of uh, uh, getting hired on for, for hacking and showing off your skills. That's great. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, so actually, and, and as far as showing off your skills, you know, the only thing you've, you've mentioned is um, around doing this to an actual company and then, you know, showing them and, and showing uh and uh, working off of that. So normally, like if, if I were in a situation similar to that, you know, for for the type of work that I do, I would probably have some uh, source, th source code that's uh, open source on GitHub or something to show off as a portfolio. Do you have something like that, like a portfolio or something that you can show off? Mm, I kind of do. Um, for me, it's really my blog or my Twitter where I do link to all of the posts I do once I hack a company, I do a write-up, uh, or if it's worth it, because uh, some of the vulnerabilities are pretty similar to each other, so I don't always do this. But uh, if I find something interesting, I write a blog post about it, I publish it online, so that everyone can see, here's what the data I have, and they can follow the path of how I ended up exploiting the company or the app with the data I had in mind. So this is a bit like a book or a story where from this data, I ended up hacking this company using this methodology. And there I was stuck at this given period. Um, and I ended up finding a different solution using that type of data. So it's really a, a great way to showcase your knowledge. Otherwise, um, as I do CTFs, and a good way of sharing your knowledge or demonstrating that you're able to do so is by Use checking my CTF profile either on CTF time or by my previous CTF participations um, and your scoreboard, where you can see that this year I was in that team which scored like seventh on a hundred, and this way you can be somewhat sure that I know what I'm talking about. Got it. Okay, so you still have a you still have things to show off, it's a history, all that kind of stuff. So it's not like a a, a complete move away from you know from having tangible uh, items to show. That's great. That's good. Cool. Well, uh, I think at this point, I'm out of uh, questions to grill you on. <laughs> so uh, before we leave, uh, where can people find you? And is there anything you want to plug, a uh, website or anything to that effect? Um, sure. So if you want to get started into security, the first thing I would recommend, of course, is to know a bit of software development and be familiar with programming itself. But then uh, try hacking things, try understanding how things work, and then do CTS or challenges. These are made to be broken. And if you can't br break it yourself, there are plenty of YouTube videos or tutorials online you can find out to get started. Um, and once you're ready to challenge yourself, the Ring Zero online CTF is pretty much the best one I could find. Um, and then there are so many other resources online, such as the Live Overflow uh, YouTube channel, 
this is a great resource and you should all go and subscribe right now. Um, regarding my online presence, you can find me on Twitter where I'm not really active, but I do stalk a lot uh, of my followers um, at Antogarand. And you can read my blog posts either on my work uh, blog at sukuri.net slash blog or on dev2, uh, which is linked from my Twitter, but also available at dev2 slash Antogarand. Well, great. It was, uh, it was a fun time talking with you, Anthony. Uh, good luck on your future quests, and maybe we'll have you back here uh, on the show someday to talk about you know, all the cool loot you've plundered and you know, all the uh, experience you've gained since, uh, since today. So until next time, everyone, you can find this show on Twitter. We are at DevSideQuests, or you can go to our website, developersidequestpodcast.com. And if you could please leave a rating for this show in whichever pod listening enchantment you subscribe to, that would be insanely helpful to me. All feedback is welcome. All right, everyone, go work on a quest. And go hack apps.